millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Dr. Patience Sadamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drift, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution, sponsored by Fido Mobile. Stay tuned as we talk Canadian news and Black issues on a regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of May 29th, including... Premier Ford wins the 2022 Ontario election... The Bank of Canada increasing interest rates another half percent to stem inflation. Mass shootings in the U.S. spark legislative change in Canada. And plenty more. To kick off our politics segment. Jeez, Patience, did you take in election night in Ontario? I was up all night, fam. I was was really excited for the first part, and then I started bawling, fam. What an outcome, what an outcome. Hate it or love it. Premier Doug Ford has been re-elected. Hate it or love it. This time with an even stronger majority of seats than in 2018. He now has 83 seats, seven more than when he was first elected, which effectively gives him a sort of super majority. Meanwhile, the Ontario Liberal Party was decimated yet again, winning only eight seats, one more than in 2018, kicking off the start of some deep soul searching that commenced with the departure of former leader Stephen Del Duca. The man couldn't even win his own seat, fam. (sighs) It was a similar outcome for opposition leader Andrea Horvath, who chose to step down as leader after dropping to 31 seats from the 40 she had won in 2018. So wait, does this outcome mean a majority of this province, this province, really loves off Doug Ford? No. No. (laughs) No. Not only did a majority of this province not vote for Doug Ford, a majority of this province didn't even vote. At my last check, just 43% of voters exercised one of their most important franchises, And that's a new low from the 58% who voted in the 2018 election. So here we are. People stayed home, likely because they didn't see a compelling enough reason to vote for it out. And most of those who did vote liked what the dealer was dealing. I guess it's not all bad, though. Friend of the drip, Dr. Jill Andrew, won re-election in Toronto St. Paul. And actually, for the first time in Ontario history, Black MPPs will be representing the governing conservatives, the official opposition NDP, and the non-party status liberals. All that's missing is a little Black representation in the Green Party of Ontario. Speaking of which, leader Mike Schreiner won his riding handily with 54% of the vote. It was a significant 34% lead over the runner-up PC candidate Peter McSherry. 
The Greens upped their vote share across the province and came pretty close to securing a second seat in Barrie too. Now that the dust has settled, the next step is for Ford to form his cabinet to implement his agenda. So who will be in it? He's got plenty of fresh choices. Plus, he has huge shoes to fill in Christine Elliott, who was the former deputy premier and minister of health. So, I mean, did you see this outcome coming, Patience? Why don't we start there for a place of question? Yeah, I think, like you, I, I try to, to pay attention to what the analysts are saying, what the polls are indicating, and I just... A short answer is y- yes. A long answer is I just... I had my fingers and my toes crossed <laughs> that we would at least be dealing with a minority government situation. The fact that we have, I, I think it's something around 63% of the seats going to um, the progressive conservatives. I, it makes some of the legislation that we were hopeful for, affordable housing, in, increasing uh, on a regular basis, in, increasing the minimum wage, um, that, that kind of stuff, it just makes it so far-fetched. Not to say impossible, not to say improbable even, but the way that Doug Ford governs is that he governs by whatever is hot at the moment. So as long as those things are not hot, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what about you? <laughs> um, I saw the outcome in terms of his supermajority being pretty much a done deal for the past few weeks. And as you know, I went on vacation. So there was actually a period where I did stop paying attention. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know would happen was that the liberal vote would cater as much as it did. Um, I was expecting kind of a a, a, a a split of progressive votes, kind of almost even between the NDP and liberals, uh, as far as what the 338 Canada charts were showing. And uh, as as we know, that did not happen. The NDP, they, they won about 31 and, and the liberals are at eight. So didn't see that. So the people who did vote for him, to be clear, why do you think people voted for Doug Ford? I think <laughs> I, 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 so I, I want to speak because, because I live in Durham, you live in Durham. That's mm-hmm. maybe the, where I am most, I have the most experience, you know, obviously because I live here. So mm-hmm. I think uh, in Durham, him lifting the tolls off of the 412 and the 418 made a, a pretty significant difference for people who want to get around um, much quicker. Mm-hmm. I think, again, with the stickers, like removing the fees associated with renewing your license plate made people feel as if he's doing things for them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if this is true, but I had heard that in particular for the liberal agenda, folks were saying that the liberals were saying that if they got elected, that um, vaccine mandates would come back. So for folks who were happy with some of these mandates going away, um, there was, I guess, some threat, I'm using using air quotes here, (laughs) some threat of that coming back with liberals at the provincial level. I I did not see that anywhere. Um, Maybe you did. No, that's news to me. That's very interesting. But I'm, I'm staying quiet because, you know, people and their... Conspiracy theories, I mean, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah, but I, I thought that was interesting because 
I, I don't like that's such a, a hot button issue. Mm-hmm. I don't think the liberals would have touched that. Um because they don't w- need to. I would hope know? not. <laughs> like they like 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 if if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it, but why would you bring that up while you're campaigning? That that, uh-huh. that seemed like a real kind of but I but I heard that more than once. Heard that mm-hmm. more than once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the biggest thing that I saw, I mean, so there was voter apathy was a big thing. Those who did vote, even though, like, if I even look at myself, patients, and I, I had conversations with other, um, even card-carrying liberals, and, like, <laughs> so if I look at myself, like, I could not find very strong reasons to not vote for Doug Ford. What? You? And that, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying I voted for Doug Ford. I'm saying... You couldn't find strong reasons to novel. Like, yeah, like you I, couldn't, make a, wow. I couldn't find strong reasons. And then I, I also, again, conversations with card-carrying liberals, some of them didn't even know who the leader of that party was. No, that that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> Del um, is not a... My, my mom was like, who's that? So, right? So it was just yeah. a perfect storm of, 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 of things leading to his, to Doug Ford's win. Um, and then there's also the fact, though, to his credit, though, to be clear... Right, because I mean, look. If you look at 2018 as a repudiation of the Liberal Party, and therefore right. Doug Ford just kind of came in and, and sucked the, the air out of the room, and you know became the guy. Now this was actually kind of a, a an appreciation, a, a selection of Doug Ford, right? And and part of the reason for that, again, a part of the minimum who did vote for him, was because he was actually talking about building and about jobs, about things that people actually want to hear right now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That, as you kind of mentioned already, cutting costs, whether it be for those who are driving, uh, extending uh, transit, maybe those for uh, for those who want to go further past the the Oshawa line uh, on the goal line, right? Yeah. He also, even for those who are uh, more conscious of the environment, he is part of the group, I'll say. I was going to say committee. He's part of the group of the federal government, Windsor, uh, Stellantis, um, uh, uh, I forget the other company. I think it's LG, VS. Um, who are responsible for the biggest EV battery production in Ontario's history and therefore in Canada's history. Hmm. He, he's doing a lot. He's doing yeah. a lot. So you take all that in, it kind of makes sense. Kind of a bit of a, a drill down here. Who, who do you think will be health minister now that Christine's out? Oh. Who do you want if there is somebody? are his cronies in there though (laughs) maybe leche right because you think he'd be moved out of education i think so because i think he has done what he needed to do really i i I think he he helped doug ford win a second term like i think that's why he was in there to to just you know like to to bring folks along on on whether they're pcs or they're not pcs and uh, keep the keep keep the system rolling, and I think he might want a bigger portfolio. That's interesting. You never thought. Uh, I'm sorry. Am I saying something that you you never considered that? No. Um, or were you thinking Mulroney? Because maybe maybe that's what you. No, I. You know what? I, I'm not like so. The, the person that I'm thinking would be in the health portfolio is uh, Michael Tobolo, who, by the way, who he actually won. Yes against Stephen Del Duca handling yeah. him. And he's already associate minister of mental health and addictions. And he's like, he's currently oh. pursuing his PhD on that same subject. And he seems to be actually very, very- Tibolo? Yeah, yeah. I he's, didn't know that. 
neither did I. So, um, yeah, I, it, it actually would make a lot of sense for him to be in there. And if and if if Doug Ford is is going in the direction that he is appearing to be, which is a more centrist and therefore more thoughtful direction, mm-hmm. Michael would be a good option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that that you know, in terms of like black PCers in cabinet, black progressive conservatives in cabinet, we we there's actually only three to choose from. There's Councillor Charmaine Williams out of Brampton. There is uh, David Smith, who is uh, up until basically up until just now was the TDSB trustee. And then there's also Durham District School Board trustee, uh, and she's also Carrie Fest director, uh, Patrice Barnes. So there's three of them. I actually just in doing my research for the show patients, I was like, wow, I, I can't believe I, I knew about Charmaine, obviously. Yeah. I did not know about the other two. They are not lightweights by any yeah. means. I mean, David was a trustee for like 11 years. Uh, he has a background in finance. He's actually a former liberal. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then, you know, Patrice is is kind of a, you know, a heavyweight in her own right, not only in terms of events and, and the Jamaican and, and Black community in Durham, but she also has a pretty strong background in education. Um, and then Charmaine's been a counselor for two years and she has a background in, in um, supporting families and children as well. So like each one of them has the capacity to enter into key portfolios. Where do you think they would go, if anywhere? Charmaine. Uh, like I, 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 don't, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to go with Charmaine or, or at least if he's, I mean, I, I should not, I should never say that I have no doubt because we're dealing with Doug Ford, but um, I, I think it would be a, a good pick. She's in Brampton. Yeah. Uh, Brampton is now officially all blue, I think, northwest, yeah. south, and east. Big is all battleground. Blue. Yep, yep. So yep. it would be a good, a, 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 a good thing to invest some some social capital there in terms of you know Brampton being able to say that we have someone who's um, a a minister mm-hmm. from here or who represents here. And I'm not sure about the other folks who uh, ran in, in Brampton. I know that the, the, the gentleman who beat out Jagmeet Singh's younger brother might be another uh, potential option, but I think Brampton... Who was that? Hardeep Grawal. He lost to Hardeep Grawal in Brampton East. Oh, right. So, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was like, which black guy did he lose to? No, no, no sorry. Um, no, no, not to a black guy, but I'm saying if, if he's going to pick... I, I think he's going to pick a minister from Brampton. Mm-hmm. Either it's going to be Hardeep or it's going to be Charmaine. Um, Charmaine, because I think because she's black, <laughs> or Hardy, just to make a, a stink about the fact that you know he he has a a a, a, a heavy hitter in mm-hmm. Brampton um, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the wall. Could very well we 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 certainly will see in terms of Charmaine. It looks like like if I were to look at her credentials versus the minist- the ministries that are available, I think that the Ministry of Children, Community, and Social Services. Would be good, yes, yes. And then boot out that that fool, Merrily Fullerton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that we'll certainly uh, see how that goes. Who do you think will be interim NDP leader now that uh, Andrew is stepping down? So all of these things are very political, right? So even though people are, are bringing up folks in in Toronto and folks in Ottawa, mm-hmm. I, I think it might stay a little bit outside, like in a union stronghold. So I'm, I'm not going to say Jennifer French because she only barely won the election, but I, I don't, I don't know where there are some other union strongholds. Hamilton is, is a, 
is a long-held Union stronghold. Oshawa is mm-hmm. a long-held Union stronghold. Um, I'm not sure um, where else, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it will be someone from Toronto. I don't think it'll be someone from, from Ottawa. Yeah. People are saying uh, Merritt Styles from Davenport or Joel Harden from Ottawa. So you're saying nah. I don't. I don't think so. I, I. I don't think that would be a great strategic move. Let me just put it so, that way. So no place for Kristen Wong Tam, eh? Oh, you know what? Th- that is one exception. That is one exception. Because the fact that they—no offense to the NDP—but the fact that they got Kristen Wong, Wong Tam in the first place, I think, <laughs> do what you can to <laughs> keep her before she crosses, you know, the floor and, and goes liberal. Uh, or even goes green. I yeah, maybe green. I don't know about liberal. <laughs> Listen, we got to keep her, keep her. Apparently, um, Andrea, she's uh, considering running to be the mayor of Hamilton. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, what do you, uh, what do you think is next for the Liberal Party? I'm going to say this <laughs> loud and proud, okay? <laughs> Mitzi Hunter. Really? Yes. Well, I, you know, I, um, so for our listeners, we, we came quite close to having Mitzi Hunter on the show right before the election. It just didn't work out logistically, um, considering that she is one of the eight liberals elected and we should say reelected since the first Red Wedding. <laughs> right. Um, I think it's fitting to have her on to talk about what's next for, 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 for the party. Um, yeah. a party of which, by the way, I'm a, I'm a member. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, the interesting thing, though, so you're saying that it probably should be her. I think it's pretty clear, certainly based on conversations that I've been having, too. It needs to be somebody that's very far away from exactly. Kathleen it needs Wynn to be a years. departure. Yeah. And there also has to be a much stronger focus on business issues um, because, like, for real, liberals just can't outflank the NDP on the left. Yeah. Yep. So whatever direction we had that needs to incorporate that bottom line um ford's huge majority means that we won't have to rely or rather means that he won't have to rely on any other party to pass legislation the minority of ontarians that did vote decided that there will be no change and in fact have strengthened the government's mandate giving ford more room to implement his agenda it's fair to say that concerns about the pandemic are squarely in the rearview mirror, despite what you think, patients. And they've got a ton of plans to follow through on, as announced in their April 29th budget. And Ford, we're learning, likes to be liked. Yes, he does. So I'm hoping he'll actually follow through on a ton of his proposed you know, amendments, everything from minimum wage increases to child care to the staycation credit to all sorts of different goodies a lot of them a lot of them that are actually pretty good so we'll see i'm good with him passing everything except for 413 you know yeah yeah um i'm i'm not gonna lie i don't care (laughs) you don't care how can you not care about like a very very expensive highway um it that we don't need I think it's that he's already going to be spending billions more on highways anyway. I think I'd prefer to focus on areas where there's an a possibility of impact. 
Oh, I see. So it's not that you don't care. It's that like you've given up on that particular. I'm just not going to focus there. Yeah. Not there. No. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. Jumping to the Canadian economy. The Bank of Canada has increased interest rates another half percent to stem inflation. Seeing as inflation continues to wreak havoc on our bank accounts, the Bank of Canada has increased interest rates by another half percent to 1.5%. The move is unprecedented. The Central Bank's Governing Council voted to raise the policy rate for the third time this year, and it damn sure won't be the last. While the increase was expected, the tone of the announcement was a little different. Whereas before, the bank's tone had been one of control over inflation in the face of rising discontent and distrust from markets, politicians, and consumers alike. Can anybody see our Pierre Polyev? The bank's tone now is more alarming. They point to higher gas and food prices coming over the next few months, being at risk of becoming permanent, something nobody wants, except for maybe the person you're buying from. Quote, with the economy in excess demand and inflation persisting well above target and expected to move higher in the near term, the governing council continues to judge that interest rates will need to rise further. And quote, no kidding. That was the bank, by the way. Inflation has been above the bank's target range of 1% to 3% for more than a year, hitting a three-decade high of 6.8% in April. Ooh. Higher prices are popping up in a wider range of goods and services, making it harder for Canadians to avoid. In fact, nearly 70% of the consumer price index is experiencing inflation above 3% right now. So the higher interest rates go, the more prices drop. Now, Patience, what's what's your grocery bill looking like these days? Fam, can I tell you? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to garden now. That, that's, that's how high it's looking. Garden. I feel I, that. I need to plant. I feel I to- that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to your point in terms of um, ach- achieving new avenues for food consumption, I also read recently that, um, you know, the five finger discount method is on the rise. Oh, I would not. Of course. Like, okay. We, we always talk about the polarization, income polarization on this show, mm-hmm. but of course people cannot afford to eat. Yep. Like. It's rough. And. Enough. All of these food banks are running low. And yep. Yep. Well, um, you know, in terms of higher interest rates leading to reduced or dampened or, you know, depressed prices, the concern though, which you know we're discussing, is that interest rates rising so high might cause a recession, especially since higher rates 
won't do much to deal with the international sources of inflation, which include persistent supply chain bottlenecks, COVID lockdowns in China, which are maybe being lifted right now, and surging commodity prices based on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But higher rates will dampen demand in the Canadian economy. That can impact domestic sources of inflation tied to the service sector, the housing market, and our tight labor market. In practice, this happens by increasing the cost of borrowing money, which shows up in things like interest rates on mortgages, business loans, and car loans. And that matters because each half percentage point increase adds around $2,000 a year to the average mortgage. Whether homeowners pay this right away depends on what type of mortgage they have. The question is, what's more important, bringing prices down or keeping the economy healthy? Well, that was a little bit of a damper. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. But I'm encouraged at least not by this this latest increase, but the first increase did, did have quite a significant impact on the housing market and kind of brought it back to a controllable level. So maybe there'll be a little bit of that this time around. And maybe this will also push the province and the feds, frankly, to do um, a little bit more when it comes to folks who are uh, part of the working poor or uh, around, um, yeah, uh, uh, just catering more to, to that portion of the population because nobody wants, uh, you know, more theft more robbery nobody wants that but that is um a result of people not being able to to feed their families mm-hmm. moving on to news from the world those of us who are watching television and consuming media via social media have been aware that mass shootings are on the rise and mass shootings in the u.s have sparked legislative change not 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 in the u.s but in canada <laughs> Since the last time we spoke, uh, there have been a few more mass shootings. I think the last time we we spoke about this was after Buffalo, but before the shooting of the 16 children and three teachers in Uvalde, Texas. And uh, there was uh, another one in uh, a Taiwanese church, the one in California. And then last night, I I, I cannot remember where, I'm not going to look it up. But these are on the rise. So... While the U.S. isn't necessarily concerned about getting guns off the streets, and by streets, I don't mean, like, I mean the, the suburban streets, the, the streets of, of folks who are actually doing the, the mass shootings. New gun control legislation was introduced by the federal government on Monday, May 30th, and included a national freeze on the purchase, sale, importation, and transfer of handguns in Canada. Now, we know that handguns aren't necessarily the the center of the conversation because, you know, handguns don't really cause mass shootings. It's, it's usually uh, the assault-style rifles. So the feds are also pledging to start buying back thousands of banned assault-style weapons before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino presented the bill in the House, Bill C-21, on that, that Monday, May 30th. And said, quote, the bill we just tabled represents a milestone amidst a long and difficult battle which takes place on our streets every day. It's a battle which has claimed too many lives, leaving empty chairs at the dinner table and empty desks in our classrooms, end quote. Mm -hmm. 
The legislation revives some federal measures that didn't pass before last year's general election and implements some new proposals made during the campaign. I just want to be really, really clear. This legislation was tabled last year, or similar legislation was tabled last year and did not pass. So the legislation uh, includes taking away firearms licenses from those involved in domestic violence or criminal harassment. It increases criminal penalties for smuggling and trafficking of of firearms, which we should be really concerned about given what's happening in the U.S. And a red flag law, which would require people deemed a threat to themselves or others to turn in their firearms to law enforcement. What are your thoughts on this, Curtis? Very straightforward. And uh, I mean... Why can't America do it? (laughs) The day of the Texas shooting, their governor, Greg Abbott, the first thing he said was that this is going to have no impact on gun legislation. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I I was dumbfounded various times by things that I either saw or experienced uh, after the shootings, uh, particularly the Texas shooting. And it's just, I think I've said this before and I, I kind of, I, I don't I don't know. I don't relish in saying this, but I, I stopped caring as much about these shootings in the United States because the problem that they have is so singular and yet so easy to fix. Hmm. And they just don't they refuse to do literally the simplest thing. And again, you know, kind of what I've discussed with numerous people, uh, there are numerous countries that also have strong gun cultures, uh, you know. Uh, Japan is one of them. I feel like Germany is another. I think Austria is like a key one. Hmm. Places with strong gun cultures where they've either, once mass murders have happened, they removed these weapons from access, or they had strong regimes in place to begin with so that mass murders just aren't a thing. Right. It's only the US that has this problem. So look... Again, I'm not going to like waste my like breath. Well, I guess I have been. I'm not going to waste any emotion. <laughs> I won't waste any emotion saying more than what I have, which is that it's a simple fix. Change your legislation. Yes, you have your right to bear arms based on the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was 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 originated, was ideated based on uh, the concept of having a regulated, a well-regulated militia to respond to tyrannical governments. Right. Nothing exists of, of the sort. Right. Right. So uh, time to reconsider. Yeah. So at a board meeting in the last week of May, Toronto District School Board trustees voted 17 to 3 to change the admissions process for specialized schools, affecting some of the city's most coveted programs, focusing on areas such as the arts, athletics, science, and math. Typically, applicants are assessed on their ability through auditions, formal portfolios, entrance exams, or report cards. Under the new policy, applications will be based on students' interests, and they'll need to demonstrate an active interest or passion in an area. If demand for a program exceeds available space, a random selection process will be used with priority given to those from underserved communities. Director of Education Colleen Russell Rollins says the goal is for everyone to have, quote, a fair chance of acceptance into their program of choice, regardless of their identity, experience, ability, postal code, or family income, end quote. 
The TDSB has about 40 specialty programs in schools. 16 accepted every applicant because there was sufficient space. So do you agree with this move? You just listened to episode 87 of The Drip, sponsored by Fido Mobile. And we're so thankful for their support, which amplifies important discussions like these in the fight against anti-Black racism. We're releasing pods on a regular basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip CO. You know, we love our many non-Black, non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.